Sony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is October 28th, 2020. Um, you've got a Canadian Common Sense election special coming up, and it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How's it going, my friend? Oh, not too bad. How are you? I am tired. It was a very long election campaign and no surprises. So, I mean, but I am glad that it's all over with and I've actually taken the week off work so I can rest up, recuperate, lick my wounds and carry on. Yeah. So how did you finish in the end? Um, Ended up finishing in third place. I got 5% of the vote in my constituency, which is kind of what I was roughly where I was expecting to be. And it's actually looking at as far as the progressive conservative party, Saskatchewan wide, it was right in there where everybody else was. So it's uh, obvious that we have some work to do as a party to get our, our name out there. I did notice a lot of the doorsteps I went to, I would say I'm with the conservative party and people would still say, Oh, this ass party. And that was a, a fight I had with a, a lot of, a lot of houses I went to not a fight, but I mean, a struggle that I had is to try to differentiate ourselves from the, from the Saskatchewan party. So, uh, we know what yeah. we have to do for the next election anyway. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I mean, at least you got yourself out there and and people uh, saw your face and got to talk to you. And, and hopefully uh, during the next election, that'll uh, pay off. Yeah, well, and lessons learned. I, I certainly uh, should have taken some some holiday time from work during the campaign so I could get out there and, and do some more door knocking. I mean, working full time, you're working 10 or 11 hours a day so then you come home you're tired you go out and door knock for an hour or maybe two and you're just exhausted whereas our incumbent of course because they're on the taxpayer dime are being paid to campaign they have lots of time and energy right so yeah so well that's, but that's all right lessons learned so anyway since we're talking this Saskatchewan election in a way why don't we start there um that vote was on monday the 26th and the saskatchewan party as predicted, did win a landslide majority government. It was, uh, so far, there's still eight ridings that are in play because there was a large number of mail-in ballots in this election. And there are eight ridings in play because the vote count on election night was just too close to call. So there's like a 200 vote leads or in one case, 83 vote lead. And there are, you know, 2,000 plus mail-in ballots to be counted so there so as it stands right now it is 50 seats for the saskatchewan party 11 seats for the ndp now the interesting okay. yeah and the interesting part of that story is that ryan miley's seat in saskatoon is one where he is actually as of right now behind by 83 votes but there are 1600 mail-in ballots to count yet so ryan miley might not have survived the election oh wow well, we have something similar happening happening in BC as well. I mean, the NDP uh, won a landslide victory, which I predicted. Um, they uh, they ended up with fifty five seats. The uh, BC Liberals with thirty eight, and the uh, uh, Green Party with three. And the big news out of this election, there's there, actually there's there's three pieces of news. Uh, the first being Similar to, um, similar to you, there's about 
eight ridings that are in play right now because of the mail-in ballot and the votes are that close. Uh, so um, the other the other thing is is that after the election, um, the BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson stepped down, and uh, because he suffered the worst results in BC Liberal Party history. Oh. Um, and uh, also resulted in um, their vote share, the BC Liberal vote share, dropped in every single riding. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so he stepped down to make way for a leader who probably, hopefully, will have some charisma. Um and uh, and we'll we'll run a better campaign next time. And the last piece of news is that BC has an all-time historic low for voter turnout at fifty-two point four percent. I was going to ask you that because that happened here in Saskatchewan as well. Voter turnout was forty-eight percent, and that's got to be a record low because I, I think in two thousand sixteen the voter turnout was fifty point one. Um, no, I was just in this constituency. It was a little higher province-wide, but really pathetic. And actually, a friend of mine and I had that discussion this morning on the phone that we're almost wondering if media should not be allowed to publish polls as the election's going on. Because I think what happened here was you had a lot of people who are Saskatchewan's party supporters who just said, oh, it's in the bag. I'm not going to bother. And so they didn't turn out and vote. So had they been motivated to get out, possibly they may have turned a few more ridings their way. I mean, who knows, right? I Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't believe that the responsibility to vote should be put on the media. I, I think that each individual person has a responsibility to vote. And if they choose not to do that, that's their problem. Um, well, you're right. I, about I, that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like this shifting the blame thing. I mean, you're, the people are shifting the blame to the media and, and their polling results and stuff like that. And to me, that's wrong. Each individual Canadian has a responsibility to vote and do their, do their, uh, their, their, you know, their, 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 civic uh, yeah. it's their civic duty. And if they choose not to do that, I mean, that's not anybody's fault but theirs. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Um, but I actually wouldn't be opposed to media not publishing poll numbers because, I mean, while you're absolutely right, it is up to each one of us as citizens not only to vote, but actually to do a little research in, you know, finding the party or the candidate that most closely aligns with your own views and then getting out supporting that candidate. However, and in this case, and I'm not sure if it was the same in BC, uh, in this case, my my riding, for example, the Saskatchewan party candidate really didn't even campaign. Uh, early on, he had some of his friends who came out to the doors, and I, I did meet one of them. And they had a whole crap ton of signs up, if you'll pardon my language. And the, the party spent a lot of money advertising. But I think if he hadn't just assumed he'd have that election in the bag just because of his party affiliation, maybe he'd have gone out and campaigned for and, and won because even with the low voter turnout, he was only, I think, 900 votes behind or 700 votes behind 
the NDP candidate who won this riding. Yeah. I, again, whose fault is that, though? It's not the media's. That's his. I mean, I mean, I I just, but I mean, I, at the same time, I do see the point. I mean, it's, if nobody knows who's leading, you're only guessing. Right. And, um, so no, I mean, I do see the point. I, I don't agree with it, but it might be something that has to be looked at. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you in that I don't think it's up to government to force media not to publish polling data. But at the same time, 48% voter turnout is absolutely pathetic. And just as, you know, as is 52%. I mean, I remember earlier on in my voting life when people were upset when 65% of us got out to vote and they said that was terribly low and was unacceptable. And it, and the numbers just keep dropping more and more each election. So, I mean, they've got to do, government does have a responsibility to do something to get people to take their democracy more seriously. I don't know what that is, but we can't keep accepting 48 to 50% of our, you know, eligible voters deciding who governs us. Well, yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. We live in a society today where more and more and more people are looking for uh, government to act more like a parent and where they look after us and they keep tabs on us and they make sure that we're you know, doing what they want us to do. I mean, it's government and, the, and, and our, our government is treating us more and more like children all the time um and people are actually asking for this they're asking for government to um censor us they're asking for government to look after us from cradle to grave and it's almost like people are 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 quite happy to have a dictator um and it's almost like they're even asking for it lately. That's actually pretty scary. I'm not even saying you're wrong, but that is actually quite scary. And, and it's, but I mean, we are seeing that. We are seeing people asking for this from government. And I mean, they're mostly on the left, but but they are. Yeah. I mean, they're demanding that government censor people. They're demanding that, that you know... Um, that we deplatform people and don't give, don't let people have a voice. And if you don't agree with them, they want you to be shut down and canceled and all this. And they're asking for government to do that. And that's scary. That's very scary. And, and we're, but we are seeing this more and more. And maybe, maybe people are apathetic and, and, uh, and all that towards voting because they just, they don't value democracy. They don't value freedom. They don't value living in a country where you have a say in who, who uh, runs your country. Yeah, well, I can see that. And I think one other thing is, and this is a topic you and I have beat to death on this show, is leadership. I mean, you'll hear people say, give me something to vote for. And 
unfortunately, we don't, you know, we often aren't given something to vote for because there is no person who's offering that big vision. There is no person who is instantly likable. I mean, you mentioned Mr. Wilkinson, who just didn't have the charisma. Sorry, Canada, we just got cut off on our, our show there. So hopefully I'm not repeating myself when I say that a big part of the problem with voter apathy, in my opinion, is just that there's the lack of that charismatic leader, the person that is likable. And like Mr. Wilkinson is, as Lewis was saying, that's just, you know, doesn't resonate with people. And maybe that if we had more of that, maybe more people would actually be interested in voting and take their democracy a little more seriously. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the problem is, is that the real leaders in our society are not going into politics. They're going into private industry. And uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they can make a lot more money. And uh, second, because they're, you know, they're not under the public microscope. And their lives are not being displayed all over the media. They're, you know, any little faults that they've ever you know, they've ever said something wrong or, or, and, and I say that in quotation marks because what's wrong today may not have been wrong yesterday. And, um, and they don't have that scrutiny and, and they can make a lot more money and have better work-life balance. And, you know, I mean, politics is very, very dirty and, and people, I think, um, when they're running for prime minister or premier, you know, I almost think that people are uh, um, masochists. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, I know certainly in this campaign and probably in British Columbia as well, they, I know the NDP here dug uh, every skeleton they could find out of Scott Moe's closet, even, uh, an impaired driving charge that was dropped when he was 19. Um, like it, and you know, he's 47 now. So it's, you're right. You mean you're putting everything out on the line for, you know, possibly no gain. Yeah. And you know what? And that's, that's, that's really shady. I mean, oh, yeah. that's, that's like 28 years ago when he was a kid. Yeah. I mean that's 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 wrong. I mean, ridiculous. You know, and people 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 say the same thing about you know bringing up Justin Trudeau's blackface, but don't forget he did that at 28 years old when he was a teacher. That's right. So, I mean, they're not comparable. No, no. I know we've got a short. Uh, show today because we're just doing an election special we will have a full show for you tomorrow and boy do we have a lot to talk about so i just want to touch quickly on two by-elections that took place in toronto now we have been referring to them sort of in passing because i think we knew what the result was going to be the only thing i'm going to say is interesting about the two by-elections is that the one in toronto center which was bill morneau's old riding considered to be the safest possible liberal riding and Green Party leader Anime Paul actually polled, I believe it was about 37%. Um, a Liberal did win the riding. And then in York Centre, it was there was a, uh, a Liberal victory, but the Conservative Party candidate was within about 1,000 votes. And Maxime Bernier had run in York Centre and had gotten 
seven or 800, not enough where the combined vote would have propelled one or the other candidate over the top. But I want to touch on what, you know, how much hay the media has made out of this saying, oh, Maxime Bernier ruined the race for the Conservatives. And I just want to say, no, honestly, I could turn that around and say, had there not been a Conservative candidate, the Maxime Bernier could have been competitive. Like, get a clue, people. It wasn't Maxime Bernier's fault that the Conservatives didn't win that election. It was the Conservatives' fault that they obviously didn't campaign hard enough. Or run a candidate that people knew or yeah. or liked. Or, you know, I just I just find it incredibly sad and disappointing that in Toronto, regardless of how corrupt this government is, they're still voting in liberals. Right? And it's uh I almost feel like you could run a fence post as a liberal in, in some of these GTA ridings and it would still win. Like I don't I don't understand what it is this government has to do to make people in Toronto realize that this government does not act in the best interest of Canada. And honestly, it doesn't act in the best interest of Toronto or the average Canadian either, but people just have blinders on. Yeah, it's 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 like my wife said. She she puts it this way. She said, People in Ontario and Quebec are in love with the word liberal. And she's she's, yeah, she's from Quebec. So I mean she says you don't understand. They're in love with the word liberal. So she said, Don't expect much to change out there. Yeah, sad but true, eh? So So, yeah, so liberals have retained those two seats and Majority government for the NDP in British Columbia, a majority government for the Saskatchewan Party in Saskatchewan. And stay tuned, Canada. We will bring you a full show on Thursday. And as I teased out, we've got a lot to talk about. And I will probably tease out a couple more spots on our Facebook page before tomorrow's show. Right on. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow, Canada. All right. Until then, it's Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night, Canada. Good night. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.